There is supernatural strength that God gives you when you come to Him to seek Him for the solution of your problems. This is Hope Lives 365 with Pastor Mark Finley. Today's message, Making Healthy Choices, Part 2. Enjoy, and remember you can always catch up with past messages and stay up to date with Hope Lives 365 and Pastor Mark by going to hopelives365.com. And now, Pastor Mark Finley. The Bible says, Daniel 1, verse 8. It says, but Daniel purposed in his heart. Some translations say this word purposed, incidentally, is a very, very strong word. Uh, it means determined. It means decided. The heart here, Turn. keep your finger in Daniel 1 and turn to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. And here in Proverbs 4, verse 23, the Bible says... Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. In the Old Testament, this is Proverbs 4, verse 23, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. The heart has to do with the mind. You know, as a man thinketh in his what? heart. So is he. So it has to do with the inner recesses of the mind. So the Bible says Daniel purposed in his mind. He decided in his mind in the inner recesses of the soul where it really matters. Daniel could not compromise his convictions. Author Samuel Johnson wrote this. The chains of habit are generally too small to be felt until they are too strong to be broken. Think about it. The chains of habit are generally too small to be felt until they are too strong to be broken. If Daniel would have compromised his integrity there, if Daniel would not have made a firm decision to purpose in his heart, he would have started a process in which he was bound in Babylonian thinking. C.S. Lewis in Screwtape Letters said this, The safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, the soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. I like that. The safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, the soft underfoot. He's right. It's the daily compromises that erode our faith. So because I cannot see the purposes of God, because I cannot see the plan of God, doesn't mean God isn't working out his plan. You may not always see the plan of God in your life. You may not always see God working in your life. Things may seem to be upside down in your life. The mountain may seem high. But yet, God has a divine plan that you may never realize. I remember a time that we were negotiating for the Olympic Stadium. I I had preached in Pahani University in Moscow, had preached in the Kremlin Auditorium, And one of the things we really wanted to do was preach in the Olympic Stadium in Moscow. The part of the stadium that we would have seats 18,000 people. And Billy Graham had preached there for three days. We had negotiated with the government of the Yeltsin government if they were willing to give it to us to be there for a month. So we went to negotiate for it. And we had a certain figure in our mind. If you rent the Olympic Stadium for a month, I was thinking that the charge would be about $150,000 for that month. And we had gotten 
gotten some large donations, and we're able to do that. Incidentally, when we got the Olympic Stadium, I brought with me a hundred medical personnel, and we treated 20,000 people from Moscow. We took 18,000 blood samples. It was just amazing what we, 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 what, what God did there. But anyway, so we went to the, the head honcho, the chief of the Olympic Stadium, to negotiate. And I was thinking, okay, they're going to charge us about $100,000. And so he came back with the contract and gave it to us. And he said, I looked at the contract and it said $100,000. And I was really thrilled. And then he looked at me and he smiled and he said, look, and I had a group with me. He said, I'll tell you what, I've really reduced the price and it is $100,000 and you can just make the check out to the government. But what I really want you to do is give me 25000 in cash. Now, I was thinking 150000 he offered us 25,000 less, 100,000 in the contract, but 25,000 in cash. I knew exactly what the man was doing. He was trying to bribe us. I knew it immediately. But man, I wanted that Olympic stadium. I wanted to preach to all those people. So I mean, that would be all right, wouldn't it? I mean, because we were thinking 150, we could save $25,000 of the Lord's money. I mean, and what he did with the 25,000, that was up to him, right? No. No, no. I looked at our team, looked at him and said, we're going to need to discuss the contract. And uh, we went back to our room and we sat down and I said this, look, if we lose the Olympic Stadium, we lost it. If that man says 125000 in the contract, we'll pay it. But we're not giving him $25,000 cash. Because I know that that's a bribe. And if we go that direction, what will we do the next time or the next time or the next time? So we came back and we got on our knees and prayed. And then we went back to him, and probably nobody has ever said this to him before. We said, sir, we think the contract is a mistake. We think you charged us too low. We would feel so uncomfortable paying only 100000 for the stadium. So what we would propose is you take the $25,000 cash, put it in the contract, and we pay to the government for the stadium, $125,000. We're willing to do that because we wouldn't want to be dishonest if we know the value of the stadium. You know, him gulping, you know, wondering, what am I going to do next? He said, okay, I'll rewrite the contract. When, we, when he saw we weren't going to bribe him, he didn't budge. He, I mean, I mean he, 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 he knew that we were not going to budge. And he, he knew that he had to put that in the contract. We were not going to make, a, make that decision. Let me tell you about a 33-year-old young woman. I know her very, very well. She was 33 at the time. Her husband was a graduate student, a Ph.D. student, so he wasn't working. She was trying to support the family on a very modest income, working as a dietitian. As she was working in this particular hospital as a dietitian, she got the... Um, she, she was doing so well in her work that she attracted the attention of a large pharmaceutical company. And the pharmaceutical company came to her and they said to her, we want you to work for us. She met with the vice president of that corporation, an intelligent, thinking young woman. And the vice president said, look, she was making $33,000 a year at the time trying to support her family. Her husband was studying for his Ph.D. They were living in a little apartment. They had other bills to pay. 
And so the vice president of this pharmaceutical corporation met with her. And he said to her, look, we really want you. you you're, you're talented. You're, you're, you're an intelligent young woman. You can do the job. We want you to represent our pharmaceutical corporation for four states. We're going to start you at $90,000 a year salary. And we're going to give you $150,000 in stock options. So we really, really want you. She went through three interviews. And as her last interview, she said to them, you know, I need to tell you that I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. And they said, no problem at all. She said, that means that from Friday night, Sabbath, Friday night to Sunday, down till Saturday night, Sunday, I'm not going to be able to work. And they said, there's no problem at all. There are only three pharmaceutical shows through the year that you'll be required to come to on Sabbaths, on your Sabbath. And we know that you can get a uh, waiver from your pope, and he'll, he'll, he'll write one for you, or from your priest or your bishop, he'll write a waiver for you. She said, this is not between my bishop, my priest, we don't have them, but this is not between my pastor and me, this is between me and God. And I'm sorry, but I can't do this. They said, you're crazy. They, they looked at her and they said, we don't understand. You're making $33,000 a year, and we are offering you 90000 and we're offering you $150,000 in stock options, and you are telling us that you're going to walk away from that for three of your Sabbaths a year? They said, young lady, we cannot... And she said, look, this is not between my church and me. But she said, I know myself well enough that if I compromise in these areas, I will compromise in other areas. I'm sorry, I can't do it. And she walked away from it. They struggled. They really, really struggled financially. But she told me later, she said, I had a peace in my heart. I would rather struggle and have a peace in my heart than I would compromise conscientious convictions. Daniel stood tall because he stood firm. Secondly, you could never stand tall unless you bow low. You can never stand tall unless you bow low. We are no match for the evil one. Unless we have supernatural power from above. We'll be right back with Pastor Mark Finley. We thank you for listening and hope you're enjoying today's message. Our mission is to attractively present the Christ-centered biblical truths of Scripture in a practical, relevant way to people around the world so that they may experience the abundant life that Christ offers and effectively share with confidence His life-changing truths with others. You can support this ministry and help us reach even more by going to hopelives365.com slash donate. And now, back to Pastor Mark Finley. Let's breeze through three passages in Daniel. Daniel 2. You're looking there at Daniel, the second chapter. And you're looking there at verse 17. The king has a dream. He can't remember it. The lives of Daniel and his companions, because they're brilliant, 
statesmen in Babylon are threatened. And notice Daniel 2, verse 17, 18. Then Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret, so that Daniel and his companions might not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Daniel's life is threatened. What does he do? He gets on his knees and he seeks the strength of God, and God reveals to him that dream. Daniel could stand tall because he bowed low. But notice again Daniel chapter 6, same story. They are to worship no god except the king of Media Persia, Darius. But Daniel knows the decree has been passed. Daniel 6, verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room and with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before God, as was his custom in the early days. There is supernatural strength that God gives you when you come to Him to seek Him for the solution of your problems. Daniel 9, verse 3 and 4. Daniel could stand tall because he could bow low. Daniel chapter 9, verse 3, verse 4. Daniel chapter 9, verse 3 and 4. Notice what the Scripture says. It says, Daniel is facing... Captivity. He's facing bondage. He's facing a prophecy that he does not understand. When Daniel's in exile, he prays to God. In the banquet hall, Daniel prays to God. In the lion's den, Daniel prays to God. When he doesn't understand prophecy, he prays to God. When empires collapse, he prays to God. Daniel chapter 9, verse 3 and verse 4. Daniel 9, verse 3 and verse 4. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests and prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession. And he said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and those who keep his commandments. Notice what Daniel says. God, you are a great and awesome God. When we stand firm for God and on our knees seek him, we give God the opportunity to work a miracle in our life. When we compromise our integrity, we deny God the privilege of working a miracle. But when we're on our knees praying, we see God work miracles in incredible ways that we would not have believed before. I was meeting with a group of Bible workers in Chennai in India. And uh, we were meeting with these young men and young women and middle-aged men and middle-aged women and old men and old women that were our Bible workers. There were probably 30 of them. And we were working many years ago in that Hindu country, and there was one area that we were really concerned about. It, it was a called, uh, area called like Biro, Bitro, uh, and it was a part of Chennai that was filled with drugs, violence, crime. The police wouldn't even go in there. But we had a few people that were coming from that area. So I said to the Bible workers, I'm not going to assign you to that area. It's too dangerous for me to assign you. So I'm going to let somebody volunteer for that area. And an old woman, I mean, she was old. She was hunched over. She had these rotten teeth, deeply etched lines on her face. She could hardly walk. And she said, Pastor, I want that territory. Now, this old Bible worker 
um, I mean, she, she, she'd have to walk on a, on a stick. She didn't even have a cane. She'd walk on this stick, you know, she'd tremble. Pastor, I'm going to pray for those people. I mean, she was a prayer warrior, you know, not real literate. Uh, I don't know if she could read or not. Uh, bad health, arthritic condition. And, and, and just, just, I thought, oh, Lord, send somebody else to that area, please. I, mean, I don't know if you chose the right one. But this godly woman was a prayer warrior. About two days later, she came back and told me this story to our group. She went into that area. When she went in, now in those areas, you have gang leaders. And the gang leaders stop you from going in. And they threaten your life. So she went in, and this gang leader, rough, burly Indian guy, stops her coming in. And he says to her, look, where do you think you're going? She said, oh, I'm going to visit people and tell them about Jesus in the Bible. For about two hours, he mocked her. He walked around her, mocking Christ, mocking, mocking the Bible. And she said, look, I was just praying that whole time. She had a calm spirit, saying, Jesus, take control of this young man. And she said, after two hours, the Holy Spirit came on her with a holy boldness. And she had been harangued for two hours. And people in the village gathered. And they gathered around her and they watched this harangue. She said, after two hours passed, I looked him in the eye and said, young man... You are young enough to be my son. I listened to you for two hours. Now you shut your mouth and let me tell you about Jesus. She said that young guy became calm, sat down, and she began to explain to that village about Christ and about the power of God. And she said, Pastor, that young man will be at the meeting tonight. And he's got about 15 or 20 more that he's bringing. She stood firm because she bowed low. You can stand firm on your job. You can stand firm at the university that you're going to. You can stand firm with the friends. You can stand firm when you're invited to compromise your integrity if you bow low. If you try to reach... If you try to meet the devil in your strength every single time, you will be defeated. But on our knees before God, there is supernatural strength. There is unusual power. Why did Daniel stand tall? First, because he stood firm. He determined in his heart ahead of time not to yield his conscientious convictions. If you determine in your heart to do only what pleases Christ, if you determine in your heart only to do God's will, and do not wait for the circumstances to arise, you'll stand tall. You'll stand tall if you bow low before God. But there is one other thing Daniel did. He stood firm, so he stood tall. He bowed low, so he stood tall. Secondly, thirdly, he looked beyond. If you look beyond what is to what will be, if you look beyond time to eternity, if you look beyond the things of earth to the things of heaven, if you look beyond the grave to the resurrection, if you are sucked in by the things around you, and if this life becomes all that there is, you're likely to compromise your integrity. Let's look at Daniel. 
three passages. Daniel constantly took the long view. He constantly looked beyond Daniel chapter 2. We look there at Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. Daniel was only 20 years old when he interpreted the king's vision three years after. He was about 17 when he went into captivity. This is three years after. But here at a young, at, at, a, at 20, God gives him that vision because he purposed in his heart. Daniel 2, verse 44. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. The kingdom will not be left to other people. It will break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Daniel looked beyond what was to eternity. He looked beyond the rise and fall of empires. He looked beyond this life. Daniel, chapter 7. You find this all through the book of Daniel. Daniel 7, verse 27. Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. The kingdom is everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. Daniel looks beyond the kingdoms of earth to the kingdoms of heaven. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1 to 3. You find it all the way through the book of Daniel. Daniel gets a, a smell of heaven. Daniel gets a glimpse of eternity. Daniel has this glorious sense of the moving of God. And he says, this life is more than simply what I see. But this life is a preparation for eternity. Daniel 12, verse 1 and on. At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. There'll be a time of trouble such as never was a nation. Daniel 12, verse 2. At that time, your people be delivered. Everyone found written in the book. Many who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting content. Then those who are wise, those that are wise... Those that stand firm, those that bow low, those that are wise, those that don't compromise their integrity, those that are wise, those that don't sell out cheap, those that are wise, those that don't take the gentle road to hell by compromise, those that are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those that turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever and ever. Every time Daniel looked up at the stars. He thought something like this. The stars of this world fade into insignificance. Kingdoms rise and fall, but God's stars remain. Babylon rises and falls. Medo-Persia rises and falls. Greece rises and falls. But Daniel says there's something eternal. And he looks at the stars and he says as the stars shine in their course, God's people will shine forever and ever and ever. Nebuchadnezzar rises. His sons rise. Babylonian kings rise. They fall. Daniel survives. Darius rises. Cyrus rises. They fall, but Daniel survives. As the stars, they live forever and ever and ever. When you get a whiff of eternity and a smell of the glory of eternity, the things of this earth don't attract you very much any longer. 
You've been listening to Hope Lives 365 with Pastor Mark Finley. We hope you've enjoyed today's message and remind you that you can find more in our many ministry resources at hopelives365.com. And you can support this ministry by going to hopelives365.com slash donate. And now, a final thought from Pastor Mark. When you get a smell of heaven and eternity touches your life, and Christ transforms you. All the compromises of this world are just not worth it because you've seen the glory of a new land. You stand firm because you've bowed low, because you've looked beyond, and eternity captures your heart, and that's all you want. As we bow our heads to pray, is there somebody here today that deep in your soul you know that there have been those little compromises. And you say, Jesus, I want to stand firm. Jesus, I want to bow low. Jesus, I want to look beyond. And I want eternity to so grip my heart and to so fill my life that the things of this earth fade into insignificance. Lord, like Daniel... I want a purpose in my heart to serve you. Oh, my Father, thank you that eternity is real. We don't want to sell out cheap. We want your love, your grace, your power to strengthen us, to fill us, to transform us. And we praise your name that it's a reality in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. 